for instance, like designing websites or kind of like coding websites, the term might sound a little bit scary and people might think, oh, I don't have that, you know, degree to be able to do that. Like if there's different types of careers online, usually there's different avenues or different cheaper courses you could take to learn those skills to be able to do it. If there is something that someone's interested in doing online and it might seem scary, just do a little bit more research and usually there's different avenues you could take to be able to do it. You're listening to Ecomonics, a Debutify podcast, your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. The way I framed much of today's episode involved speaking on behalf of a longtime friend who's found it exceedingly difficult to secure sustainable work. What I was looking for with my conversation with Ashley Tess, entrepreneur and remote educator, was clarity on just what options are available in a world that's becoming both more free and more restricted. So whether you're looking for yourself or want to help someone you know find a new option for work, there's a lot more out there than you might have guessed. Ashley Tess, it is good to have you here on Ecomotics. How are you doing today? How are you feeling? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Really happy to have you here today. There's a lot of uh, stuff that I've uh, learned about you in my own uh, personal uh, degree, which I'm excited to get to. I, I'm also excited to learn that I believe this is the first time that you've done a, a podcast interview. Am I right? Yes, this is my first one. So pretty excited. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's great to, uh, to introduce you to the podcasting space. This, it, it's, it's a fun thing for people to do. You know, you just you, you shoot the breeze for an hour, uh, learn from one another and a- add to the nexus of information, which I've had the distinct honor of collecting for the last year, almost almost a year getting getting pretty close. Opening question, um, as you if I say if asterisk, you get more into the interview space, you'll be asked this a lot, but this will be the first. Uh, tell us what you do and tell us what you're up to these days. Uh, so right now I'm currently working from home. That is my all about my YouTube channel. Um, I also teach English online. So I started my career, I guess, as being a classroom elementary teacher. And I just wasn't happy in that career space. I was looking for more flexibility, Uh not being confined to, you know, traveling during winter break, summer break. So I taught in the classroom for five years and I started looking into more online type things where I could still work and travel. Uh, So I did online teaching for, I taught fourth grade for two years virtually. And then right now I'm teaching English online. There's a lot more flexibility with like time commitment. So that's really nice. So I have more time to do more online things besides teaching. So it's been really nice with doing like online work or, you know, business type things, YouTube stuff. So that is how I ended up doing, uh, finding my path into working online was I was trying to get out of my teaching position type in the classroom. (laughs) Okay, so here's a question. I wasn't really, I mean, I didn't have this uh, on the agenda or anything, but other than like I've instructed people on podcasting once in a while, so I've done a couple of lectures, but I'm by no means like a, a teacher. But when when in, when instructing, say like you know, grade grade four, from uh, my only perspective is being grade four, and you know, my first ten years are kind of a blur. So when when instructing them, were there really significant key differences between say like a grade four, grade five, grade three, grade four, or it, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot in common, I imagine, but I, I'm, I guess do are things more starkly contrasted when you're taking the perspective of the educator? Um, are we asking like the difference in what they would know between like a third, fourth and fifth grader and like as a teacher, how you would teach each grade level? Is that what okay. we're asking? Yeah, well, that's a good point about the about the knowledge base. Uh, I guess I would uh, modify that around the lines of like what method of teaching maybe works with them better. Like if it starts to be more at a certain point, it becomes more physical, more hands on, maybe more experimentation or like even if tests changed, uh, maybe at some point multiple choices now an actual uh, viable path rather than them just like picking at random, which let's face it, nobody ever stops doing that. <laughs> 
Um, I guess I would say like, obviously the younger they are, you need more like support and visuals to help them. Obviously more hands-on is really helpful. Even the older kids, even adults, we need hands-on learning. Um, but I guess uh, as kids get older, they're expected to do more. So there's expected more of an output. That's why as we get older, you know, we're expected to write longer essays, add more details, things like that. So I guess the output would be more expected as you get older, but you kind of still teach the same way, but the content would be more rigorous versus like a younger student. Right now there, I would say there is a bigger difference uh, I teach children in China right now, so versus American students. So I would say there's a bigger contrast in seeing the ability level between like an American student versus a Chinese student. So that's kind of interesting too. I, I can't help but to ask like what yeah, yeah like what, what what you noticed um differently about a, a body of Chinese students versus a body yeah. of US students. I mean, so they start learning at a very, very young age. My youngest students are three years old. It's just crazy. And they already can speak full sentences at three years old. I have one class of two four-year-olds that are reading at a first grade level and can have full conversations using large vocabulary. And then you're thinking about, you know, kids here in America and you're like, wow, they could barely put a sentence together. So it's just... It's just so crazy seeing the comparison. That that actually uh, that's kind of mind blowing. Like I I vaguely yeah. I, I I mean I don't remember every day of what it was like to be a youngster, but I do remember you know my kindergarten teacher. She would come to our homes to introduce herself first, just so that we were more comfortable with her when we would uh, get to school. And so you know, I was starting at. Uh, at the age of three, I was I was a little bit young for my for my group, so like I would turn four. Everybody else was already like halfway between four. Not not a big deal or anything, but I mean, my my memory of that is just like oh, I like Sonic too, and that's right. pretty much all I had going into going into school. So it's fascinating to uh, to hear just how not only like how quickly a culture will start, but knowing that it's even possible and doable you know just change what what um what a culture is expecting or what no knows what their what their kids are capable of yeah i mean and they're using large like science vocabulary academic vocabulary not just like you know simple conversational language like they're using pretty high high words so it's kind of interesting <laughs> it makes us here look like wow we need to do more yeah <laughs> Well, I, I assure you, I'm here. I'm here in Canada, and I and I don't think we've. Uh, oh, okay. uh, I don't think we're doing like tremendously bad or anything like yeah. that. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I I learned a little bit watching the Red Green Show opening up. Other than that, I don't think we've had any major advantages over the states. But that's that's that, that's fascinating. I really didn't know that. I'm glad I asked. Um, okay, so let's so getting back to your so your backstory. So I can tell because I do check out people's Instagram, and even just from what the story that you're telling me is that. Now, travel is a is a significant um, a part of you know what uh, what appeals to you. you. You obviously like to do it quite a bit, and so that that's a major component in being able to have the flexibility that you're looking after. So what I want to hear about is you know as you're transitioning to the point where now you know you're able to convey this information on your YouTube channel. Was there a difference between the kind of um, remote working you were doing that was more and I'm, forgive me, this is kind of like a convoluted question, but so the, the remote work that was more rooted in the establishment or more of like a, an extension of the institutions that you were working with versus say something that starts digitally and is basically, that's where it's a, it, the, the foundation is for it. Does that, does that make sense? I think so. I mean, I think a lot of people transition using their current jobs and transitioning into working online. Um, I guess it was somewhat similar because my first online job was with a online charter school. So it was still working with an, with American kids. I live in Las Vegas, so I teach, I taught for students here in Nevada. So there were, it was an online charter school for Nevada. So that's how I transitioned uh, to working online. So I worked for them for two years and then I moved into teaching English online. So that's how I know a lot of people 
start. So if they ask their employer, is it possible to work from home? I know I've, I've heard um, a lot of people, they kind of like talk to their bosses and they say, oh, I might leave if it's not possible to work from home. And like, they'll be like, oh, let's do a trial period. So I know that works for a lot of people trying to transition, but I know some people, they might, you know, not be able to work from home with their current job. So there are resources where you can find and try to see what skills that you have uh, to look for those online jobs. Yeah, I because yeah, I remember, you know, one of my friends I, I bring up on the show once in a while, you know, he he was in IT. And, you know, once uh, once the pandemic hit and everything was going into lockdown, what it had done is it had accelerated the company's willingness to allow them to work remotely. The functionality was always there. They just didn't have the leverage for it, whereas now they could, it was much easier to leverage under, you know, threat of death. So it was much easier for them to say, yeah, you know, we're going to we're going to we're going to work from home and, and we're going to stay safe. But I would also say that I don't think there was as much really lost because, there was, I mean, you get some interaction for the, but for the most part, most of what they were, most of what they do was on the computer anyways. So comparing that to, to your experience, I uh, imagine that quite a bit is, is lost in the lack of the, the only in-person school space versus uh, what's done online. So rather than ask you the obvious question, I think a much more interesting question is, you know, what do you do to make up for that? Uh, I mean, teaching online versus teaching in person is definitely a big transition. Um, I know, especially teachers this year, they had to adapt really quickly and not with, you know, not much support with that. But um, I've been teaching online for three, two, three years prior to the pandemic. So I felt more comfortable, obviously, when there was a bigger need for it. But I know um, there wasn't much time to prepare. But uh, a lot of it's just practice and a lot of it is like seeing what uh, resources are available online to help support anyone in that transition. Um, you know, watching other people was really helpful. Going on YouTube, looking for support. <laughs> There's always things to help. I hope I answered that right. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's, uh, it's it's to say that there, there's there, there's work to be done, but I think what you're what you're saying as well is it's not like everybody had to start from scratch right away. Yeah. Um, not you didn't have to, so there is some degree of like, okay, some people were ahead of the game, so here's the people that we can take uh, some of the knowledge from and uh, and adapt and uh, rather quickly at that. So another question that I had chambered, it's, it's it's kind of funny to ask, just because you you, you had answered it earlier unintentionally, but one of the things about teaching online is, you know, you're mainly teaching ESL students. Um, and I guess that's one thing I always wondered is about, you know, w what degree of English that they had already known going in, but then you're saying that, you know, kids in China, they're, they're three years old and they're already, uh, uh, you know, running their own D and D campaigns. So it's pretty fascinating to, to hear about that. But, um, have, have you experienced say, uh, a, a, um, a classroom where, you know, their English, um, wasn't, uh, wasn't all that great. And, but conversely, you're, you don't speak their language particularly well. So, um, have, have you encountered, uh, instances where there was a lot of friction and how you can overcome that? Yeah. I mean, most of the time when I tell people I teach English, the first question they ask me, especially if I tell them I'm teaching English to kids in China, they'll ask me, oh, so you speak Chinese. And I'm like, no, I don't. And they're like, how in the world are you teaching English to these students that, you know, they probably don't know much English, but that's, I guess that's kind of a misconception. But as, yeah, as I was mentioning, they start really young. Um, there are students that they don't have a higher level of language in, uh, in my teaching with them. So I use a lot of, uh, you know, videos or pictures to support um, a lot of the times they have their parents with them that know English. So they ask their parents a lot, or I have two boys that like to use Siri and Alexa, not Alexa, I guess Siri, they're like, Oh, Siri, what's, and then they'll translate something if they have, if they're wondering a, a word or something, but, um, but most of the time they already know a good, good deal of language and the classes that I teach are grouped by level. So they're pretty leveled pretty correctly based off the curriculum. 
I, I really have like one other thing that I'm wondering about in regards to this, and then we'll we'll make our way into the um, into the broad uh, spectrum of work at home uh, content that you talk about, um, which is uh, really the, the meat of the matter for the day. Uh, one of the things I am wondering about is more of like the, the the granular like managing classes because I don't really know what the experience is like. I I was neither a student, certainly not a teacher uh, in any capacity when. I've never really done like online classrooms at all. I did. I did take one online course in college, and I'll tell you a brief story just because this is just really funny. Where there, you, usually when somebody gets a message in their inbox, there would be like a bracket with a little number and bracket indicating how many messages are received from it. Not my interface. So I would check the inbox once in a while. And says no messages. Really? Huh? It's been almost like half a semester, and then like one month to go before you know I'm supposed to graduate. I'm like, you know what? Maybe maybe there are messages and sure enough, there's like a whole array of messages. Like either, you know, your, 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 your final, like your final thesis um, will be due next month. Your final thesis will be due in a week. Your final thesis is due tomorrow. So I'm like, ah, oh, great. Well, I got to message the teacher, but we didn't do like any in, in lectures. We didn't do anything to any degree that resembles a, a classroom setting. It was all just like, you know, e- emailing one another. And I seemingly failed at that too. So I have like no experience with this whatsoever. Um, but I, I, I'd love to hear about like, what, what what's it like to, to start up a class for the day and you know, lesson plans? Do you use presentations or slides involved and you know, get how kids are engaged? How often do you have to mute people? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, as we're talking about working from home, teaching English is probably like one of the easiest things if you are a fluent English speaker to start working from home. And if you can have a conversation, you can probably start doing this. But um, there are so many different companies and platforms and websites where you can get started with teaching English. Uh, So there's ones like the one that I'm working for is a company that provides curriculum. They do the scheduling for me. So I just have a list of my classes. They give me my curriculum for the day. Uh, My curriculum is PowerPoints and they are already like uploaded in their own platform. So it's kind of like a Zoom platform, but they have their own for the company. But if you don't want to work for a company, you really can use different websites that promote teaching English where you can make a profile, you can put your rate that you would want to be paid, your schedule. So there's different options that you can do if you wanted to teach English versus using a company where they give you your pay, they give you your schedule, they give you your students. So there's kind of like pros and cons of each, but if you wanted to do on your own, you could put your, you can make your own schedule. You can make, you know, the time, uh, I should say your salary that you're looking to get paid for. Like for my company, I'm kind of limited to the hours I could teach. So since I'm in the Pacific time zone in Las Vegas, the time zone in China where I teach, I teach from like three in the morning to six in the morning. So it's pretty pretty crazy. I know some people would not do that, but, uh, if you wanted to do like different websites, you can, you know, obviously choose your own hours, but be mindful of where the students that you're looking to teach, where they live. So you might not get as many bookings. So that's something to be, be aware of. I know travel hasn't exactly been a big thing for too many people in the last year, but um, did it achieve what you were hoping for, which is to have more flexibility in in being able to travel as you, as you so choose? Yeah. I mean, um, I know some companies, like I have a friend, she also teaches from home, but I know her company um, is kind of strict with her VPN or I don't know the the term, but they can see where she's located. So uh, her company doesn't let her travel outside of the state. So she's limited to that. So my company really just lets you teach forever in the world. They don't care where you are. So it is really flexible, which is nice. It's just making sure the time zones and stuff you're aware of, which is can be complicated sometimes. So what we've done is we, we talked about uh, online teaching, which is one of the options that you uh, that you talk about on your YouTube channel, but it's, it's not the only one. 
And yeah. and I think one of the limiting factors about teaching is that it's highly schedule based. You know, you got right. you have to be there for for the students. So, um, I, the the overall mission of today's episode for my audience and including a you know a dear friend of mine who I wanted to ask some questions specifically for, is, you know, these options that we have to uh, supplement our income. A lot of people, um, everybody can work from home. Not everybody gets the the ability to do that. But I would imagine even if somebody is, say, working construction, working in grocery, hopefully there's options that are you know easy to get into that with any luck, they can slowly transition their way towards. So there, I'm going to read off a brief list. We're not going to uh, define them right away because there's a preliminary question that I want to ask first. But some of the avenues that you talk about on your YouTube channel, so that, you know, pay to read, drop servicing, um, writing, copywriting, transcription, which I suppose is a form of writing, uh, the ESL companies, which we kind of got into already. Uh, there's even one I saw copying and pasting ads. Um, so, I'm, and I imagine I missed a few. So there's there's quite a few options over there. But before we get into all of that, uh, how are you vetting these? And how are you, I guess, ensuring that what, you know, what you're talking about is you know, is, is legit. And I suppose you've, I, I haven't checked all the audio videos, but my guess is maybe you've also shown some content where by the way, guys, just so you know, this is not actually legit. Yeah. I mean, um, obviously there are so many ways you can teach online. I think the ones that I make more videos about, I've tried to get into myself to see, um, you know, if it's worthwhile and if it's something I could do to make money as well. Um, and something I could try, I think with just like the whole journey working online, it can be very overwhelming. There's so many things that people are telling you to do, try this, try that. And yeah, like your question, like, where do you start? So I guess trying to see what interests you first to see, oh, okay, I'm a decent writer. Let me try, you know, doing, you know, writing for blogs or something like that. Or I can type really fast. I can be a transcriptionist. So trying to see what skills that you're already good at to try to use that avenue to find jobs to work online. Um, that's, I guess, how I would, how I started uh, looking for ways to do more work from working online is seeing what skills I can do. And uh, so uh, aside from teaching, are any, are, are you actively doing any of them even to, even to this day? Uh, besides teaching, um, I guess I, there's a little bit more, like I also talk about freelancing on my YouTube channel and with freelancing, you really could do so many different things. Say like you want to be a graphic designer, but you're not even sure where to start. You don't, you don't have background knowledge or you don't have a degree and you really don't have to nowadays. Like there's so many websites and templates you can use and especially YouTube to help support you learning how to do certain things. So I have done a little bit of like freelancing stuff. You know, I get emails sometimes. Oh, like, like you mentioned, I made a video about drop servicing. Um, basically, you're kind of outsourcing a service and you get the money in the middle with someone uh, someone doing the work. You charge more and the person doing the service for you would be less. So you make that income in the middle. But I got an email recently being like, oh, can you help me start a drop servicing business? Um, so I think kind of more consulting and, you know, freelancing would be something that I'm gearing into, I guess, a little bit right now. Right. Yeah. Like um, being knowledgeable on the subject, helping guide people into what would be a good, uh, a good fit for them. Um, all right. So there's a couple of these that I wanted to run through in, in specific. And, and again, before I do that, I would also, I'm also curious is like over, over time, have you uh, spotted any red flags? Because um, I will say some of these offers or some of these, in, even in concept, it, it can sound too good to be true. Like, uh, for instance, um, even being paid to just, you know, read content. I, I see that right away. And I think, no way. No. <laughs> right. No. I know. Yeah. It seems like that's just too crazy. But no, uh, when I found this this topic about where people, I guess the topic sounds misleading, but basically with that there are companies out there that are looking to get reviews on books and they will pay you to actually like read books or read different literature to do this and write a review. And some companies they'll pay like $50 for a review, you know, depending on 
the length of the text or how much experience. So the more you, the more experience you have, some companies are looking for, some are looking for more, I guess, like school-based knowledge. So if you have degrees, they'll pay you a little bit more, but yeah, there are companies out there to review different texts and books and they'll pay you. So basically that's what it it would be to get paid to read. (laughs) Okay, that, that that checks out. Yeah. Um yeah. and then so a couple of other ones too that I that I think are interesting. So um transcribing. Now, I, I uh, for me, I think transcribing and I think of like if I turn CC on on a YouTube video, which I always assumed were automatic judging by some of the hilarious misunderstanding. It's like they they hired Starbucks baristas to do yeah. the transcribing. So, uh, I don't think that's exactly what it is, but what's what's in the transcribing space? Um so that is something that I would say if you're brand new and you don't have much skills, you can type, you can, you know, have basic conventional English skills. That would be something that I would suggest for people trying to get started in the work from home areas that if you can type, you understand English, start with transcription, which is basically there are companies out there that have audio files, like basically, for example, this podcast, you might want it in a text format. So someone would listen and type out everything we're saying and maybe send it to you in a PDF or Word document and they would be paid for the length of the audio. So let's say this this podcast was like an hour long, you know, people are paid for that hour amount. So that's also misleading. So there's companies will say, oh, we'll pay you $20 an hour, which is not an actual hour. It's an audio hour. So some people might type quicker than others. So as a beginner, I know it's harder to, you know, you're learning how to type it, what formats people want. So maybe an audio hour might take you two to three hours to transcribe. So think about that's $20 you're getting paid, but you might do three hours of work for it. So I know that can deter people being like, well, that's not much money per hour, but it's a really simple concept where people, there's not really any barriers to get started with. And as you get better with it, type quicker, you know, the formats, people are, people are making full-time incomes with that. Okay. So then, then there was another one. Well, I mean, th- th- this one is like just generalized uh, writing and copywriting. So there's obviously, there's lots of different places that people can write for, um, you know, writing reviews for books, um, again, transcribing technically writing, but I guess it doesn't fall into the realm of, you know, creative input because they're just, I mean, it's not like somebody has like their personal take on what's said. It's, you know, you write what you write what's said, my, my, my friend. So with, um, with writing to me, I, you know, I've been writing my whole life, but mostly just, you know, for my own sake. And, and I'm, and I'm lucky to be able to use some of my writing skill, um, with the work that I do here with the company, but, if I'm being honest, it was kind of a fluke. I didn't think there was going to be any writing involved. It just so happened that there was. So with getting into to writing from a more creative bend, um, I know affiliate marketing is an element to this. I wanted, I wanted to save that afterwards because we're going to do like a whole chunk on affiliate marketing. Um, but aside from that, uh, are there other entry ways that people can uh, start uh, copywriting or start doing uh, writing ha- with a little bit more, I guess, creative input? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know some people, if they are writers, they prefer to write on a certain topic or a genre. But uh, especially nowadays with people having websites or people having blogs, people are looking for content to be pushed out there. So people are looking for writers to be written on like a blog topic. Maybe they're writing about health or business or cars, whatever their their topic is of their blog or the website. With copywriting, you're basically doing the same thing, but like writing with more SEO involved in your writing and more like as a website, if you're selling something, you're trying to persuade people to buy different things. So Copywriting could also be like writing descriptions on your Amazon products or writing descriptions of products that you saw on your e-commerce website. So uh, a lot of people are looking for different types of writers that would fit their needs. So maybe you want your, you really enjoy a certain topic and you feel passionate about it. It's obviously going to come easier to write about. So there are different websites that are looking for specific topics of writers 
So that would be a good avenue if you're passionate about something to look for a specific topic. Though there is more demand for copywriting more and more because, you know, there's so many e-commerce websites. Even with social media, people are looking for people to write their social media posts because they're not sure what to put in it. So even if you're really good at social media, you could also get into that and sell your services to, you know, write people Instagram's posts or Facebook ads. So there's different avenues you could do too. What would be an example of a, of a company where I could, uh, where I could look for uh, where to start on this? Uh, is it like one company that is um, assigning work to different websites or is it like a website by website basis? Yeah, that's the hardest part. I think like there's different, there's so many like needs and jobs out there, but I wouldn't say there's not really exactly like companies, but there's more like more freelancing. You could find them. So uh, different websites like upwork.com or, you know, or even I had three websites that ha- is like a remote uh, remote website base. And they also just post like remote jobs, like social media marketing, or like there's like remote jobs co and I, remote coffee. Like there's different remote websites that just post jobs that they're looking for that would have like copywriting jobs or, you know, transcribing social media jobs. So I guess to find more of those would be to look on job board websites or even right now is really popular is using LinkedIn to reach out to different companies and people and promote your services that way, which is really helpful. And also, um, just to remind my audience, as always, um, you know, what we, what we get done in an hour is nothing compared to what somebody can get done when they have a whole day. So we're going to make sure that uh, our audience is directed to your uh, content on YouTube as well, where they'll be able to sink their teeth into these a little bit more. For now, I'm just more just kind of like, rifling off a lot of these just so that our audience has an understanding of like, you know, what, what there is out there. So the last one that I had on my list, and then I'll ask you if there's any other ones that stick out in your mind you want to let us know about is, um, so it says it's like copying and pasting ads or ad, it's like, I, my guess is like, it's more like ad transcribing or ad, uh, transferring. So, uh, the idea of copying and pasting ads, I, I'm not sure if that's exactly what it is in the same way that pay to read is more like book reviews. So what's, yeah. uh, what's the situation there? I guess with that, it's kind of like, it's a little bit more with like affiliate marketing. Like basically you can get paid if you have a blog or website. And if you scroll down usually to the bottom or as you're reading, there's different ads to click on and you can put them in your your website, your blog, and you get paid if people click on it. So that would kind of be something similar where you could promote these different products or uh, ads in your, your website, your blogs, and you would get paid for people clicking on them. So if you do have like an online presence, it would be something you can create more income if you wanted to put these ads in your websites or your blogs, or even you can kind of make, I guess, promote it in your social media, if, if that's kind of your area that you're talking about. So I guess that's kind of copy, copy pasting. Sure. sure sure well i mean i think the the thing with that though is that it's i'm not saying it's prohibitive but because somebody has to have a prior web presence a lot of i think it's efficacy is based on what is already pre-established so uh it's it's, it's not as entry level but it is still an important yes. component in helping people um, move their website you know up, up the ranks and increase traffic so and of course, increased revenue. So this next one that uh, is the one that I said I was asked specifically for a friend of mine, and I ain't calling him out by name. Once I describe why, uh, y'all will understand. But uh, life has drop kicked him a couple of times, and he has a couple of issues that make it difficult a to get out of his chair and b to be able to have a consistent work schedule um, because he does get hit by illnesses once in a while and they can be pretty debilitating. So there, he, there are a lot of things that are not going in his favor and, and he, and I'm sure he's not alone. I'm sure there's a lot of people who are in the same situation who here's the problem is that everybody wants, I, th- I think this is my personal philosophy, but I think everybody wants to work, which is, we all want to decide what kind of work we want to do. And, you know, we want to, we would prefer to do the work that you know makes us uh, that makes us happy that we have a passion for because we just have more inherent energy to be motivated to do that. Um, 
but one of the issues is actually if you know, if somebody qualifies and they're on disability, um, then then the Fed will actually um, dock their pay. So there's this threshold that people have to cross in order for it to be worth it for them to do the labor. Because if they earn a hundred, if they earn two hundred dollars, they get deducted one hundred dollars, which means that they've actually just earned a hundred dollars. Right. So it, it's it's it's. I, 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 I'm getting a little political because, uh, the, you know, that's me. Uh, so I don't want to like get too far into that, but I bring it up because it actually is a significant factor in people's uh, ability to, um, uh, to find consistent work. So there's an issue there. Um, but what I would like to know for the sake of my friend, and I think anybody who knows somebody like this is what are, what are the ideal options? I, transcribing is already in them, but I just wanted to hear anything else is a, I can't commit to a schedule and B, I, I may not be able to commit to a deadline too. It's a kind of a tall order, but even if there's one answer to the question, I think that's going to help a lot of people out. Yeah. I mean, uh, for something like that, I would suggest like looking at the skills that you already have and the areas that you would feel comfortable working in. So whether it be reading, whether it be typing, um, if you feel comfortable with English, really, there's a lot of opportunity because uh, even if you if you know a second language and you can do translation, if say you don't feel like typing, but you could still read, you there are opportunities to even like become a voiceover artist. So, or even to read audiobooks, there are options where you can get paid to do that as well. So, if you can, you know, have a concept of English, there's different avenues you could take. So maybe like for deadlines and stuff, reading an audiobook, they give you a deadline, but it would give you like it should give you a decent amount of time to do. Uh, so that would that would be a suggestion if you're looking to get started to do that. I know some people don't like typing and that could that could be an option if you enjoy reading, like especially if there's a genre you enjoy reading about, you can be a voiceover artist to read different audiobooks and get paid to do that. Or maybe you enjoy, you do enjoy typing. So you could do typing for different uh, companies or blogs, or some people are big with social media. So to you can become a social media manager and manage different social media outlets. I know I've also been into looking into doing different, I guess, creative work. So if you enjoy like designing things or you enjoy, I guess, being creative and want to help companies and stuff, you can, you know, design things and become a free freelancer. So there's different websites like uh, Fiverr.com or Upwork.com. And you can promote your services with designing different things. You can take a look at the website itself and see what services they offer. So I would suggest kind of looking at those websites and see what services people are are doing and seeing if that would be something you'd be interested in looking at to do. Those might have deadlines, though, because you're doing a service space for someone, but um, it's an option. But they usually give a pretty amount, a decent amount of time. Um, but also if you don't want to do service like services or, uh, doing, you know, deadlines, you can try to go the business route and start selling things on like Etsy or having your own social media and selling things that way. Or even, uh, with Etsy, you can start doing print on demand. So, uh, I've dabbled into that a little bit, but you know, it's, some things are easier than others. But with print on demand, you really don't have to, there's no product that you have to uh, buy up front. So you, you would design a product, the company would actually have the product itself, the website, and they ship it to the, to your customer. So that's kind of a low barrier entry type business model. If, if people are looking to, to do business, but they don't have a lot of money up front would, you know, you could do print on demand, Dropshipping is a little bit similar. In the past, I have a twin sister. My my sister and I, we started an online clothing store in the past. So we've we've tried e-commerce. Um, this was like in 2015. So I think this was a little bit before there were more support things to do. But we we had it for maybe six months and we just 
we didn't continue, but you know, as an online entrepreneur and someone to work from home, you kind of just have to, there's a lot of trial and error and see what works, what works for you and see what things that you enjoy doing. So what, what happened with the uh, print on demand? I think I just got more like as when you work from home and you're trying different things, you kind of see like how much time something takes. So, I mean, it was going, but it was just ended, it just ended up taking too much of my time to really continue with the other stuff I was trying to do. But um, another, another area that I'm trying, and I know some people might be interested in is to um, sell eBooks on Amazon Kindle publishing. So that's also something that's becoming kind of popular right now is where you can, you can write your own ebook, but you don't really have to nowadays. You can go on these freelancing websites, find a writer to write for you, or you don't even have to have a book that is writing. Like people are selling coloring books, people are selling journals. So you can design your own journals to sell online and people, people are making a lot of money that way as well. There's a, there's quite a few options, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'll be glad that there's a lot that I can pass on to my friend. Although, um, you, you wouldn't know this, but, um, doing voiceovers is probably not in his wheelhouse cause he constantly sounds like he's out of breath, but I think the other ones will, uh, will, yeah. will take for him. By the way, if you're a current user of Debutify or haven't tried us out yet, Debutify version three has been released and now is a good time to upgrade or get started as any. A streamlined user interface along with an ever-increasing array of conversion-boosting add-ons is waiting for you. So download today for free and start your journey. Who knows? Maybe I'll be interviewing you before too long. Okay, so I, I, I got you. I got you for about another another fifteen minutes. Um, so we still got to make some time for uh, for your experience in affiliate. Before we do that, I have kind of like a speculative question for you. I thought I think this would be fun to ask. Is like. What would you like to see, I guess, evolve in the online working space or in the remote working space? Or are there any trends that you've identified that are seeds now that might uh, come to fruition in maybe five or 10 years? I mean, things change so quickly. Like, um, I guess I first started trying to work online maybe like four years ago. And I guess the more the more trendy thing I've been seeing is a lot more with like social media especially nowadays with like TikTok and how people are, you know, monetizing their profiles on TikTok and doing affiliate marketing with TikTok and different social media outlets or becoming influencers. So there's so many, there's so much more with social media today than it was in the past where you can make a business all around it. Um, which I think is, which is nice. So if, you know, you can make, you know, be your own person and still, try to make your own career and money from that way too. I mean, I think also this, you know, this time period where more things have gone online, where you can start working your jobs online and being that, being able to have that flexibility. So hopefully more companies, employers make it more available to people. Oh, I, I, okay. So here's actually one other side to this that I think is important to ask too is like uh, the you know claiming income or and registering all of this just so that you know the feds are happy. Um, so generally speaking, are when people sign up for these, they're usually working for a company, I imagine, uh, for the most part. So the income is claimed that way. Have you run into any issues in terms of like you know the how the income is uh, is tracked? Yeah, I mean. With teaching English to children in China, the company, my company's based in China. So they have nothing to do with my taxes. So I have to save a portion of my income per month to be able to pay my taxes. So, and that goes for a lot of these online type of things that aren't companies that you're working for. So if you're making money with Amazon, if you're making money with Etsy, if you're freelancing, you do need to save a certain percentage of your the income that you're making to be to to pay your taxes. So that could be a little bit tricky, but make sure you read up on it. Ask your accountant. <laughs> make sure you're knowledgeable. <laughs> yeah, I, I I can back you up on that. I I do that too. I I, I have to take a chunk of my money out of my pay and just uh, leave it leave it in my bank for uh, for tax season. So yeah, so I I, I totally back you up on that one. So uh, last thing I wanted to talk about today was uh, was affiliate marketing. 
um, something that we've, you know, we, we touched on here or there, not only on today's episode, but also on the show in general. And, and it's something that I find is personally exciting. So I'll, what I want to tell you is like my, my strategy for it. And full disclosure, I haven't implemented it yet because I'm taking my time, but uh, I would like to hear, you know, what's, what's your strategy or strategies that you've seen that have been effective. So with what I'm doing is I'm, I'm setting up a store and my principal product is being drop shipped, but there's more products that I'm enthusiastic about than I have the wherewithal to sell. Because while it is, it doesn't cost me anything to drop ship them, it does cost a great deal to market them to, if I want to do any additional branding, like say inserts or special packaging. So there can be a, lo- a lot of um, capital put into what was an otherwise a, a lean um, uh, business model. So my idea was, well, I've got a blog, so I might as well just write about other products that I'm enthusiastic about, so long as they tie into the brand and the overall mission that I'm on with, and the ideas that I'm trying to convey. So that's been my take on it, but I'd love to hear uh, what's been your take on affiliate marketing? How has it worked for you and maybe some of the people that have come to you for help? Yeah, I mean, I think that was like the biggest kind of like question when you looking to get started with affiliate marketing is how you really can get started. And I think what a lot of people don't tell you is that it's definitely easier if you already have a presence online, but it's not, it's not something that you can't do if you don't have an online presence, but it definitely makes it a lot easier. I think also with like affiliate marketing, like you said, running ads can get expensive. And I know a lot of people tell you that would be one way to, you know, market and promote your things that you're trying to sell. But there are some like free ways that you can do. Like Pinterest is probably one of the best free ways to get started since, you know, Pinterest is a free, free like social media type website. You can, you know, talk about your product and like a viral pin on Pinterest can, you know, become viral super quickly where people you know, can click it and actually buy it. Um, so I would say Pinterest is pretty, pretty good to get started with. If you don't have a lot of money to, to start running ads. Also another good place, if you want to get started, like promoting products would be looking for, uh, different blogs or different websites, or even what's that one website? Uh, like Reddit and stuff like that, where other people are like commenting about certain topics where you can, if you have experience with a product, you can, you know, kind of give a testimonial and talk about the pros and cons of why this might help solve a problem. So looking for areas that you're trying to help and support people online or even uh, like Facebook groups, social media groups, don't go around spamming your, your link everywhere, but if you're trying to really genuinely help people and support people that are looking for help, you can be that source of reason where people might come to you to, you know, look for the products that you're using. And you, and you said that you had seen people do this on TikTok as well, which yes. to me is, you know, you only have like a, what, a window of like, what, 15 seconds, uh, 60 seconds in order to promote a product. So it's interesting to see how that might be condensed, what, what could be like a 10 minute read, 15 minute read condensed into less than a minute. Yeah, with TikTok, I find pretty interesting. Like, like you said, the, the videos are super short. So, you know, you would have your the topic area that you make your, your TikTok profile about. But what a lot of people are doing with it is they have one link in your profile bio. And with that link, you can use a website to kind of branch off to your other links that you have, like, uh, like a link tree, right. Or like a sales funnel where you're, you know, directing people to other places, you know, to your offers or to your email list. And that's how people are collecting like emails uh, by putting like their links in their bios to collect those leads. And you can promote your products for like affiliate marketing that way as well. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of different avenues for it. Um, I guess one thing. So it's, talking about Pinterest, uh, that's important, too. I think if somebody were to, is setting up like me, for instance, I'm you know, I've got my own my own storefront and I don't have much of a uh, of a presence yet. I'm imagining that's the kind of like the same thing that I would want to do too, is actually use something like Pinterest to, yes. uh, to, to market some of the products that I want to work on. So um, one thing that I'm thinking for my strategy is, you know, I, I have the affiliate link on say like a blog post, 
so if I connect it to, to Pinterest, I, what I'm probably going to do there is I'm just going to have the affiliate link on the Pinterest instead. They might not make it to the blog, but that's right. okay. As long as I still have the link, it's all good. I know, I know that's what people, some people are telling people to do that, but I wouldn't really suggest doing it that way. Okay. Sometimes Pinterest won't allow you to put those links and they won't accept your pin. So another way to do that would to be having like, man, I'm, I'm drawing a blank mm-hmm. on the word, but basically like to have like a website buffer where like a link tree or put it in like a sales funnel. I personally use Kartra, but there's different sales funnel builders where you can have a web page to collect leads. And then, you know, people put in your email, then you could direct them to another website with your offer, like your product, for instance. So it's kind of like weeding the serious people out instead of having just all these people click your link and nothing happens. But if you put it in like a sales funnel type thing, you you know, oh, I'm giving away this free ebook, click on my link, I'll collect your email, and then you direct them, you know, to your offer to your ebook, to collect those serious people that would actually potentially buy your product. Okay, one other thing that I'm wondering about with affiliate is well, actually two things. One is a speculation question, but the other one is when, as I'm looking around, you know, my 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 workspace, which is also where I live, which is also where I sleep. I'm thinking there are things that I could that I could write about, but it's like the product first, and then hopefully there's an affiliate link for it. So when it comes to looking for uh, the links itself, uh, what platforms are you going to to figure out? you know, what I can actually promote and write about. And have you seen, say, like an option where I could actually choose what to write about and then set an affiliate link up on my own, maybe independently of the product? Yeah, I mean, definitely. There's, I mean, nowadays there's so many different affiliate programs. Like you could really type in such and such company affiliate and see if there's affiliate program for, you know, a store that you like or maybe you're into fishing or hiking and you can, you know, type that into Google, like hiking affiliate products or fishing affiliate products. Um, and sometimes you'll get a list of companies that do have products that you can promote or like, say for me, I'm in, you know, like the work from home type niche. Uh, so the companies and websites that I use like Fiverr, Upwork or Etsy, those types of websites, sometimes they have affiliate programs too. So if I talk about them uh, in my YouTube videos, they could also have affiliate, you know, signups too. So I guess kind of see what, what things that you actually already use today, if they already have affiliate programs. Um, And if you are interested in certain products or like a certain topic, you can, you know, see what websites you normally go to see if they have affiliate programs or even into a quick Google search usually helps uh, finding products. Um, there are, they're kind of like marketplace websites to find affiliate products like clickbank.com or oh, there's another one. Digistore.com is another one that has actual products or digital downloads. That's kind of like a marketplace you could search to see what products you can promote. So there's different avenues you can look into. Yeah. And one thing I would think too, is if I'm say uh, writing about a specific product and I try to find affiliate links for it and there aren't any, I would say, well, I'm not going to promote this then. I'm just going to just try to drop ship this myself. I, I would, if I'm putting the effort in promoting it and I can't direct it to somebody else, I might as well just, uh, you know, give it a, sh- give it a shot myself. Another way to think like, like if you're, are you talking about a specific topic, like Shoes well, for me, something. like, well, there's, well, I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I'm in the, uh, uh, in the remote working niche. I mean, I've been working remotely for, for, for ten years, and you know, once lockdowns are up, I'm going to go back to making excuses not to leave my house, as opposed to not leaving my house. So, like for me, one product that I actually really like that I'm hesitant about dropshipping because it's rather saturated are wall hooks. Uh, I, I, I have an exact, I don't have an exact number, but there's probably about like 15 or 16 wall hooks throughout different parts of my apartment because they're exceedingly useful. So I like talking about them and I like the idea of showing different creative uses for them, but drop shipping something that's available in a home hardware or even like a staples to me seems like I'm, uh, I'm, I'm swimming up current. So I would have an easier time affi- talking about that affiliate marketing, but I'm also not sure if it's too low cost of a product that there's really like an affiliate program for it. 
No, I mean, a different way, I guess, to like look at it in a different perspective would be if you have that product, like wall hooks would be like, what store sell wall hooks? And then you could go and see, oh, that store sells wall hooks. Do they have an affiliate program? Right. And then kind of like, oh, talk about the wall hooks. And then here, here are some websites that might sell them. And then you could put your affiliate link that way. Oh, yeah. That actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. That clears that one up for me. Um, all right. So, so Ashley, uh, we're, we're almost at an hour. Um, I, I got to say, this has just been uh, fantastic in terms of uh, in terms of knowledge. There's a lot of really great options here for a lot of people to consider. Because um, I always want to encourage people to get into entrepreneurship. Um, but for a lot of people it's not so easy to even have the money to do drop shipping. The, the somewhat yeah. agreed upon um, capital to drop ship is about a thousand dollars, which not right. everybody has at hand. So there are, there has people need income first and there's, there's ways to do that. And you never know. Some people might actually find a career just, uh, just doing this. So uh, I did want to circle back to just talking about the education sector, because whenever I talk to uh, educators, I'm always curious about what, you would like to see in the um in the online learning space same 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 question that i asked you earlier about um about remote working in general but you know from your perspective um is there anything that you feel uh, what you what you like about teaching remotely is there anything that you feel you'd like to see uh, change about it or any any trends you see coming um i guess i guess for me when i started looking for options to teach online is that as like as someone in America, as an American teacher, we're kind of limited to be able to teach in our certain states. So that actually makes it really difficult. For instance, I live in Nevada, so there's not many online schools in Nevada. So I really can't, I'm kind of limited to what schools I could teach for. So for instance, like if you live in California, there's a lot more options of online schools. So that's how I went to teaching on English online because I was limited to um, what schools I could really teach for. So, which would be nice if you were an educator is, would be like, you know, to have like schools or options where anyone could teach with a bachelor's degree or a certification, regardless of like where your location is. And that is kind of something that's not the best with some English companies, like some, you know, they look at, where you were born. So if you were not born in a country that's not an English speaking country, they they might not accept you. So that's that's something that kind of is kind of a damper on that, you know, teaching teaching online in general is that there's kind of like limitations. Um so hopefully in the future, you know, things will be more open to people and uh not limitations and you know, people can show their skills rather than, you know, qualifications instead. Yeah, like I don't know. I, I I guess I can see if there are say uh, certain value systems or certain cultural uh, norms that a person should have in order to better convey those convey the lessons to that culture. So I can kind of see the logic there, but I would say at, at at least up until high school, you know, the curriculums are more or less you know teach you know teach kids to do math and and read in English. So like. That's one barrier I couldn't make a case to uh, to 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 put up, but I would be I would be curious in finding out more about like you know what are what what are the reasons for it. It, it almost sounds like it's just a matter of you know them not really being up to speed with the times. Yeah, oh, no, that's for sure. I feel like that is education today's like it's not really updated from you know when we were in school in the past. Like people are still learning similar things, but. Or, you know, we're not learning, you know, valuable things that will help us in our daily life, like finances or, you know, how to get insurance or, you know, specific daily needs. So that would be nice, you know, if we can put that in our in our mm-hmm. education. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't even understand what a bank does until I was 25 years old. Uh, I'm, I'm 
I, I, it's to me, it's hilarious looking back on it. But prior to that, I legitimately thought the only reason why people have savings accounts is because they don't want to store all the money under their bed. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. I didn't know what I didn't know what income was. And then, by the way, and that's just one one component of it. It wasn't until you know I started uh, talking to people in the e-commerce space that I really started to get a grasp on the nuances of it. Having a savings account ain't enough. There's also inflation. So. If uh, if the interest uh, is less than the inflation, then you actually lose money over time. Right. Um, so there, there's a story that I just uh, listened to on a different podcast where um, they, they 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 tried something like this in Japan. So everybody in Japan went and bought safes to hide all their money in it because they didn't want their their cash to deflate. So uh, there's yeah, I mean, not only is it, it is important for for it to be up to date, but to be aware of how things are constantly changing as well. So. Yeah, I mean the the big thing I like to see, uh, and then I'll, and then I'll leave us on that note. I'd like to see a little bit more of a uh, of an understanding that not everybody is going to make it through the system on their first run. I mean, there's a lot of um, I guess shame or guilt if somebody say is held back a grade or something like that. Um, and I think some people they might learn at a little bit of a slower pace, or they might even want to take breaks. So while I, I there's there's a previous episode that was very illuminating with uh, Amy Hunt, who's also in the education space. So uh, our audience, if you haven't checked that one out, you'll see kind of like where my thought process has evolved. But that structure early on is critical for 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 children to develop and to understand um, how to make their way in in a complicated world. But for me, for instance, I still count with my fingers. So for me, mathematics might be something I need to study like over the course of my life to be proficient in. And so um, when I was in school, I was just like surviving math rather than really learning it or letting it sink in. And like I said, I'm still counting with my fingers. We all do. So do I. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's, that's, that's a relief. Yeah, totally. And I think also just just evolving as like people is, you know, trying to... Uh, perfect our skills and get better with it. Like for me, I, I still take online courses, you know, to learn more things of how I can, you know, be better. Like if someone is interested in doing like graphic design or, you know, copywriting, there are different courses you could take and uh, get better. So you can do those online jobs too, as well. Uh, there's, you know, different websites like Skillshare or Udemy. They have different courses that you could take and learn and uh, try to get into the avenue instead of you know doing that traditional route as well. I, I agree with that. I've uh, I've had the the luxury of talking to a few people in that space too. The the upside slash downside is you know the institution itself is a social setting and you get an opportunity to bond with people in a unique way, but you also make enemies too. So you know the ability to to, to choose those other routes too, as I, I think is uh, massively important. So I'd, I'd love to see them have as much legitimacy as they can get their hands on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Well, um, th that's everything I've got for today. Uh, I guess just to make sure that I didn't like leave a stone unturned, did we, were there any other um, online work avenues that maybe we skipped over that you'd like to let us know about? Because if not, otherwise I can uh, get you on Addy. Um, I guess I just want to leave on a note is where um, I know there's, there's different like online careers that people can do, but you know, it might seem a little bit scary or need like a certification, like for instance, like designing websites or uh, kind of like coding websites. I think the term might sound a little bit scary and people might think, oh, I don't have that, you know, degree to be able to do that. Like if there's different types of careers online, usually there's different avenues or different uh, websites or different like cheaper courses you could take to learn those skills to be able to do it. So I just would like to say, basically, if there is something that someone's interested in doing online and it might seem scary, just do a little bit more research. And usually there's different avenues you could take to be able to do it. I, I That makes sense. I think the idea that it comes across as intimidating is probably helpful. So at least that way I know that like there are as many people as are interested in it. Not everybody is committing to it. So uh, I think a small element of that does help to, you know, m mitigate all the people who are going to maybe like uh, bring the industry down if they're not fully committed to it. So, yeah, it, it can be helpful, but I, I, I agree. Uh, you do have to get over that, that, that fear. Yeah. Well, and I think people like the misconception is like, oh, I don't have this four year degree to learn how to code or uh, like, but there's different like templates and stuff where you actually still can design websites without knowing how to code. So there's, there's different avenues to be able to do something, even though you might not have the education that you think you need. 
uh, I, I agree with that as well. And with that, so we're going to uh, we're going to um, uh, close this out. Um, once again, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I, I learned a lot today, and I'm and I'm looking forward to passing this episode along to uh, to those in need. And so the wrap up question is uh, is also you know lots of lots of podcasts are going to do this. Is uh, a if there's like a Chinese proverb you really like feel free to share it, you know, words oh, of wisdom, man. stuff like that. And then let the audience know how they can find out more about what you're up to. So I wish I knew some Chinese proverbs, but I mean, most of my students are like, you know, seven, eight, nine or 10. So, and our, our classes are like English only. So they try not to, to tell me Chinese stuff. But um, so if you are interested in learning more about working from home and seeing these resources you can find, you can check me out on YouTube. My YouTube is Ashley Tess, but with Ashley with the IE at the end. So make sure you don't put an EY, you won't find me. <laughs> and that's that's what my YouTube is. So check me out there. Okay, excellent. And, and to our audience, uh, as always, it's uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to collect and provide this information to all of you. So uh, thank you all for for engaging and and, and go and go check out uh, Ashley's content. It's going to help you out quite a bit. Um, I see myself going back there uh, myself just to I mean, me, you know, I'm I'm doing all right, but there's a lot of people that I want to help out, too. So uh, it's good to know that the resource is out there. All right. Uh, and with that, take care. And we will check in soon. Thanks for listening. You might have found this show on many number of platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you. So whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at debutify.com. Or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to Debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next. <laughs>